Damn, this is gonna piss fucking Cron off, dude. Better watch out. He's gonna be on a tirade. He can deal with it. We've dealt with his shit for Wrong. how long? Uh, don't say we, man. You're holding the axe, buddy. I'm just sitting here. I am summer bones right now. Do I, uh, do my arms look bigger? You're glistening. I'll say that. You look, you look good. I, there's something, <laughs> listen, I'm not saying you're out of shape, but anybody's swinging an axe. It's 15% more, man, right? I'm going to I'm gonna say I'm out of shape, yeah. Uh, those bathroom beers, they go down smooth. They've taken a toll. Season three might need to be a, 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 a fix-your-life koozie or something, right? Well, I mean... Watch, that, watch, that, watch that the Macros mouse pad. What uh, other store merch could we come up with? But, yeah, bathroom beers taking its toll. But, hey, right now, I'm sitting back. I'm enjoying one. I'm watching this sexy man cut up a fucking. Yeah, we don't need this. Nobody fucking rents this shit anymore. I know. Puppet movies are done. It was a wasted rack. It's open. I won the duel. It, it happened. Mm-hmm. I let it go on just for money purposes, but now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, by it, the way, you know Kron's coming into uh, to work today, right? I don't care. Hey, he's probably going to be fucking high. On fucking paint and do what he normally does. Well, eat he's, a Kit Kat. Yeah, he switched to like spray polyurethane. Like thinking we won't see the clear, but he comes in looking like he's fucking sucked off a Krispy Kreme. So you can tell. Yeah, I mean. Dude All right, is, guys. Uh, uh, oh, just got in. Uh, just, just look, I brought more beers. We're running out of beers at an alarming rate these days. You're going to need them. It's hot. What the fuck? <laughs> don't freak out. Oh, what are you guys doing? Shit. It's, oh, a, it's don't, just you, an Don't axe. you guys. Don't, don't you guys. It's all him. This is the puppet rack. You were swinging before you handed it to me. You knew what time he was coming nope. in. What it's just fuck? an axe. What are you talking It's just an axe. It's fine. We're, puppets are coming back this season, dude. <laughs> we're going to... Put all that it's, shit back together. It's just an axe. You've cut up half the fucking shelf, dude. It's not what I cut. It's how I cut, okay? Why are you L- even look doing Look at me. <laughs> okay. Look at me. I yeah, ordered dude. suspenders. You are... You're sweating an abnormal amount for yeah. any human. I'm looking fucking jacked. You look unwell. Vons, tell him I look good. You look good, man. And Cron, to your point, there's no way to f- repair this. There's no glue in the store that you haven't huffed. Why didn't you? All just right, re- there's no way to put this it's back. True. Why didn't That's you just true. repurpose it? You could have put other movies. We're Why? gonna we're gonna we're sell this room. Yeah, for what? We're gonna sell this to campers as they drive by to go up. I don't know where do people go to campgrounds. Yeah, it's five dollars a, a a shelf, and Dan's pre-cut it for them. Yeah. There's not that many chemicals. Fucking... Probably keep the bugs away. Okay, if there's no glue and there's no wood, how are we building a shelf for the new movies that we're going to put up here? What new movies? <laughs> Store's going under anytime, buddy. Fine. I don't, you know what? I don't, it's your guys' thing. You fucking figure it out. You're going to have to put all the puppet movies somewhere. There's going to be a whole slew of new puppet movies coming in here. <sighs> Nobody rents them. 
people fucking love the Muppet movies, dude. That is not true at all. It's all they talk about. You know what? How about it's a it crime here? They're laughing at you. It's like it's not with you. It's at you. Mm. Nope. I allowed this to happen. It. I let you go on with this, and now it's time to to chop it down. You here. know what? You know here, you, you guys want to take a swing the at truth. It. A a puppet spoke to me the other day. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How fucking high are you right now? Uh, enough. You can yeah, barely move your mouth. Your mustache is glued <laughs> to your face. To your fucking flavor saver. Mm-hmm. Guys, I'm I'm fucking zooted right it now. It wasn't a a puppet didn't talk to you, bro. A puppet talked to me, bro. Puppets, puppets ain't real. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, uh, dude, you're gonna get so fucked up. Dude, this pup is going to fuck you up, dude. Nah. All right, you need to settle down. Take the axe. You need to take a swing at this and see how good it feels. It's the best workout. It really is. Here, hold these hold these new puppet movies. Fuck. Oh, fuck. He brought some in. All right. All right. So just, just swing it? Put your feet apart a little. Okay. Dan, All get right. behind him. This is a, I Dan, get this behind is him. You remember the crossbow. I'm not doing this. Woo! <laughs> no. You gotta hit the... This fucking... This dude, axe. It's, it's swinging it like a baseball bat, dude. It's not, Hell a, yeah, dude. It's not a horizontal swing. It's a oh, up-down, buddy. Yeah, it. you gotta chop the shit. I'm feeling this thing, dude. It's like an extension of me. Why are you dancing? Woo! All right, we'll we'll get them fixed. Step back. We'll we'll put on a movie and we'll work this out, uh, guys. This week, it's a five star banger. It's the witch. Welcome back, folks, to Five Day Rentals. We are the video store podcast where each week we take turns picking a flick we think meets a fun non-genre category. But once again, fuck all that shit. It's a five-star banger this week with The Witch from 2015. I'm Laundry Dan. I'll be taking you through this five-star banger of a movie I uh, I can't do it alone, though. I have my other two with me, my twins, Cron Howard and Bones. How are we, gentlemen? Living deliciously, buddy. I'm glad you corrected that. I said deliciously in the text. I said yeah. I wasn't sure. But then you said you weren't sure. Delightfully, yeah. I think, was the next thing you it said. Was, it was decadently. <laughs> okay. 
Oh, like that would be such a crazy word to hear in this movie. <laughs> I think delightful would have been would have been funny, but yeah, I'm glad. I, at least you watched it this week. That that proves it. Delightful's too airy and light. Delicious has like a sexual kind of slop to it, you know? I mean, decadent is kind of like a, it's like overindulgence. Decadent. Yeah. Decadent. I think like a a chocolate with like a gold foil, Mm -hmm. right? You know, like that's decadent. It's got like the coffee in it. Delicious is the devil could tempt me so hard with (laughs) foil foil wraps. Some fucking Rolos. (laughs) Oh, dude. He just comes out with a fucking Carmella. <laughs> She's like, I'll sign. Hell yeah. <laughs> a spoiler alert for those are rich. Uh, let's go ahead and put that in the category of like a wife snack for me. Uh, Carmella's? I uh, just anything in a, like any fancy chocolate in a foil. I guarantee you we go into my kitchen that there's some that I just, I don't know what the fuck they are. They got cherry and jam and nuts and shit in it. If it ain't got peanut butter in it, I don't give a fuck. So that's... Your guy's wife have like a snack drawer that you just don't fuck with that's like healthy snacks or fancy stuff? No. I mean, we had uh, blizzards for dinner tonight. That was... That was your whole dinner? Yeah, DQ blizzards. Did they turn it upside down for you? Oh, yeah, she did. While other the other two guys in the back were, one was saying, you got to beat that meat, bro. You got to beat that meat. And they were high-fiving each other. Sounds like that's the, a, the that's meat was That's a true beaten. story. Okay. Did you get a pup cup? Were there, no. uh, was the dog were with there pants they, around their ankles? Do they do pup cups at DQ? I don't know. I've only ever gotten a pup cup at uh, Sonic. Oh, so they do them at Sonics? I thought they only did them at Starbucks. I think it it really depends on the place. You you mm. just just ask him. You don't even yeah. need to have a dog. Just say, "Can I have a pup cup?" I just feel I do it all the time. Stupid. Dude. Yep. <laughs> what saying pup cup? Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty fun. Oh, I'm Bones, by the way. <laughs> they know who you are. But this is a five-star banger. I guess we'll get more more listeners with these because they're popular, good movies, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mega Blockbuster, The Witch. We'll get into numbers. Uh, the Witch. I know I sent two copies to each of you. Spent my own hard-earned cash to do that. And I You're watched welcome. it immediately upon... It's a rival. Ladies and gentlemen, it's one of the few physical medias that Bones owns. Mm-hmm. Did it's it so look cool? Did it look weird when you put it up next to all the National Lampoons presents? <laughs> it added some nice contrast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With the white, white with wacky yellow font for a. Uh, well, you All put right. it next What's to National Psycho and, and Batman Begins, right? Blackballed or something. It's probably in the shoebox that has <laughs> the all of my Batman movies in it. 
there's like a shoebox. I think it's literally split by like dark covers and and lighter covers. And you want to guess who sorted them that way? It wasn't me. I would have put them yeah. alphabetical, but um, they're sorted that way in a shoebox in another box inside of a TV cabinet that nobody sees, but they're still uh, color coordinated. It doesn't matter. Uh, We're I have this Blu-ray, and it's an excellent Blu-ray. I think this even is, if you did sort alphabetically, it might go American Psycho, Batman Begins, The Witch. Oh, based on how few I have? <laughs> yeah. There's a drive in there. There's a repo man. There's a children of men. There's a there's a handful. You have like repo like the repo men? Or are we talking about the uh not the Jude Law Forest Whitaker. Okay. I have right. the actual Repo Man. I may have actually bought it from Blockbuster the same time that I bought Drive. Because I wanted to rewatch Drive. I went to go rent it. This is back in the day when I still went to the video store. Um, and it was like a Buster Sales thing where they were like, hey, we actually have this in the fucking trash pre-owned bin. So I bought it, and when I picked up Drive, Repo Man was underneath it, and I bought it. Is it the criteria? I think I may have actually sent that to a listener. No, that's got to be like regular DVD. It was regular DVD, yeah. Mm. Let's go get some shrimp. You know, that's right. I don't have a lot of Blu-rays. I don't own a lot of stuff. You want to know who else doesn't own a lot of stuff? Who? Fucking... Uh, farmers in the 1630s. We're not talking about any of those. Okay. He had to sell the family cup bones. <laughs> it wasn't a point of pride. Guys, my five-star sure. banger is the witch finder with Vin Diesel. Or no, that was Nicholas Cage. That's the last witch hunter. Is the last witch hunter with Vin Diesel? I think so. I know Vin Diesel's in something with the witch. I think you're thinking of Riddick. Yeah, same guy. Uh, Judy Dench plays like some sort of witch lady in the Riddick really? movie, so you're not too far off. Witches, man, yeah. they're fucking weird, huh? They're everywhere. Um, yeah, five star banger. This is a. Uh, Kind of an offshoot we do just to talk about movies that we really like that would never be featured in our regular five-day rentals big board or big yeah, what list. Do you, what do you think that is? Because it'd be five stars. It'd be just the top ones. Oh, yeah, because we've all disallowed them permanently. <sighs> Season we've, one controversy that Kron's talking about refers to... I don't even. We don't need to relive this fucking saga. Big trouble. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Yeah. But it does mean that Dan, you and I get one. We get a free one. And don't play the if the fans voted. If the fans vote for it, you can get one. I don't have any fans. Who listens to this? But yes, that is a five star banger. Uh, We like to fill them in when we're, you know, in between categories and such. We just finished up Cat and Mouse. All those episodes are finally out. Go check them out. 
And uh, I think we got some Thunder in Paradise. You should already heard that before this. So Last week, by the time yeah. you're hearing this, yeah. And then one more to go. Maybe another. No. we. Uh, what are you going to announce the new box set at the end of... I think I think we announced it at the end of uh, okay. Thunder in Paradise. So there is one coming. There's a little bit of a whew, some some fucking fun to look forward to. We also got some other stuff planned as well. I think we'll once we get a little closer. That's enough. We're for working business, on shit. Dude. Here. Get into the fucking movie, man. <laughs> Gentlemen the from whole, 2015. The whole point of this is to get new listeners. <laughs> We are discussing The Witch tonight from 2015, directed by Mr. Robert Eggers. Um, this is the second of his three films that has been featured on the Five Day Rentals podcast. We did do a two-day rental of The Lighthouse, or not The Lighthouse, uh, The Northman. So go check that out. But yes, uh, this is his first feature film. What the movie do you think he'll do next? Uh, uh, it's like the Dracula boat or something. The Nosferatu. Oh, yeah, he's doing Nosferatu. The Nosferatu. The Nosferatu. Yeah, the Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. It's like the Batman. He's trying to mm-hmm. separate it. I think this movie actually fucked that up for him. From what I was when I was doing some reading on it, because they, uh, of course, this has to do with the great powers of Satan and witchcraft and all of that, and. Uh, I think some of the countries he was looking at to film in, they were like, we're not letting you in. You're a fucking Satanist. And he's like, no, I'm not. I just just made a movie. It's exactly what a Satanist would say, dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're fucking wily. Cron, you've been a Satanist for years. What do you say? No, I'm not a Satanist. That's exactly what a Satanist would say. Fuck, dude. He just winked (laughs) at us, by the way, listener. He just... Fucking turn into a goat. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a twitch, dude. <laughs> oh! Baphomet. He just threw up some symbols that I do not want to repeat. It was a shocker. I'm, Two in the pink, guys, one in the stink. You guys down with, with uh, Satan? I mean... I mean, if you were young, Tomless, in here, what are your options, really, right? Fucking nada, dude. <laughs> I mean, your life sucks. Yeah. I mean, everybody's dead. I think. I, Do you really want to go back to that life? Yeah, I don't. I think he offered too much. I think she would have caved for a fancy chocolate and a gold foil, to be that, honest. That 100%, Cron. 100%. I mean, he offered butter, which I was like, all right. Okay. I, th- uh, I will tell you, Dan, this is a five-star banger for you, at least. That's how the rules work on this. Mm-hmm. I would originally put this at a four. I will tell you right off the bat, this, this thing jumped for me on this watch. Uh, immensely layered. But I got to tell you, there's a lot of really cool... Every once in a while, I try to avoid any YouTube essays before we watch something. Or before we talk about something, I don't want to take other people's opinions and rehash them here. Or, you know, the whole point of this is to give our opinions. And there was praise. Yeah. 
I, I, I will give credit where credit's due and praise where praise is due. And in this case, definitely a lot of praise, a lot of really good video essays out there about the witch. And even in this viewing, I was picking up on a lot of layers. I was picking up on a lot of symbolism. I myself was not born in any or raised with any religion. So there's a lot of stuff that's sort of lost on me. I have a limited knowledge of Salem witch trials. But uh, the well, interesting good. interesting take I want to drop at the beginning here. Uh, I never really, to me, the ending was always an ending. And people refer to this ending, uh, it's one thing to say an epilogue. But I've, I saw some reviews where some people say, oh, the epilogue's not needed. You could have ended it when she walks back into the cabin and, and goes back to sleep. I think the epilogue is 100% necessary. Um, but the interesting, the, the folktale aspect of it, and specifically with Thomason, the, the element that she's acknowledging there's nothing she could do because it's not like she could walk back into the plantation. What the fuck is everybody going to say? Like, you murdered your entire family. Like, you did. Oh, spoilers, by the way, for The Wish, if you haven't seen it. Um, but I thought that was a really cool element. So to, to your point of he offered her a lot, if anything, the main thing he offered her was an absolute out, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah, out of the like shitty puritanical, you know, even the town that she left. Yeah, it's like she can't go back into that environment. Yeah. And why would you even want to like? That's kind of what got you where you are now, you know, like mm -hmm. you kind of just need to start anew. Nobody was looking out for your best interests, not the mm -hmm. plantation, not your parents, not your family, nobody. So it's really, a, <clears throat> I think on this viewing, every character is really well thought out. I mean, my, maybe minus the twins and stuff like that. They're just there oh. for some. Oh some no, good no, times. no! They, yeah, they they are yeah. perfect. They get involved. Oh, they're great. Yeah, they're perfect, and they give us everything we need to know right up front. Our mercy does at least. But I think Tomlinson, yeah, it's a story of religious repression in a Puritan way that's shut up and listen and you're going to go serve pretty much. So yeah, I would have went, I would have took black Phillips fucking offer too. I would have signed a book. I don't want that. So kind of a story of a young girl becoming a woman. And I can't speak on that cause I'm a white man. You could, but, become uh, a woman, that's, allowed. I mean, I guess I, guess I yeah. could become a, and we're pro that. I know we've said some stupid ass shit in the past, but um, and we'll continue to. I'm just squeezing in a little uh, uh, padding. But yeah, I think uh, I think that's one of the layers I kind of watched this time around. I mean, I've seen it multiple times, but yeah, I think it's great fucking acting from everybody. Yeah, top to bottom, I think, and that goddamn goat. <laughs> Should there be should there be an animal Oscar? I do have a black Philip. He's right here. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, but I still want them to do the acceptance speech. That's what I'm saying. We got to give them the opportunity. Dan showing off his black Philip tattoo on the bicep. He's a fucking man. Um, yeah. This the 
any good movie has layers, whatever. The folktale aspect is really what I I stuck to this time was imagining because the movie does an incredible job of solidifying, hey, there is a fucking witch, right? Like this creepy, they're out here, there is a fucking witch. Then seeing their perspective of these actions. If you were to look at this, not just as a moviegoer, but in the mindset of somebody who would live in the plantation or somebody the next year trying to creep your kids out or talking with your friends about it, right? This is, what could you build out of these events? Did somebody come across their encampment and go, this dude's fucking dead in a pile of wood and the mom's throat is cut and, you know, what happened here? So people building on that and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a grave for the son, but where's the baby? Where's the twins? Where's the girl? And making up this story of, oh, the girl must have went fucking crazy, right? Um, Because the Salem Witch Trials are, what, two or three decades later? I don't think they're right around this this time. 62 or 63 years before the Salem Witch Trials. So around the Salem Witch Trial era, were there people that were going, oh, I wonder if that's what happened out to that family, how blah, blah, blah. You know, the daughter must have be- become a witch and and sacrificed the family. And and that visual that we get to see at the end, which, God damn, did it, it hit this time. I Man, I really like this movie, Dan. This is, I want to give credit where credit's due. I really love it when somebody pushes a movie and to put a DVD in the mail to send to me. I can't think of any other, maybe slapping me in the face with it. But, uh, yeah, really, really grew on me this watch. Well, you bring up a good point. One of my questions was whenever you guys watched this, maybe the first time, did you feel, did you know that there was a presence, that it was a witch that was there? Were you like, eh, maybe this is just a coincidence of shit that's just happening to this family? Or did you always feel the presence of, all right, a witch is already ingrained into this story and we're going to see some shit. I feel like the, I mean, I think it's to the movie's credit that, that, you know, after uh, the kid gets taken, it's like they, they show you like, this is a witch. Like there is a real witch that is in this movie. uh, And it like, this is the driving factor to the film from here on out. Uh, Cause I feel like now you would get, you know, people trying to do like slow burn horror and it would be like, Oh, maybe there's a witch. Maybe there isn't like, maybe the witch is like the power in all of us. Like it would be some kind of, you know, bullshit, like ambiguous kind of thing. Whereas this movie, I mean, I guess to a certain, you know, like, I don't even know if that much happens, like really crazy stuff before they show you like, no, this, like there's a witch in the movie. Like that's, it's a real thing. I think it's a brilliant move on, on his yeah, part. I, I do too. Absolutely. Like it makes the movie so much better to fill you in that early on and then let you, cause you've still got like what, another hour at that point of everything that happens. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's a excellent move because it puts you in more of like a 
horror mindset for what unfolds from there. Uh, Dan, to your point, when you sent it to me, you being more of a slow burn appreciator than myself, I was kind of nervous about that. And starting the movie and realizing like, oh shit, we're actually getting old English here. And and everything. I was super nervous going into this. Like, am I going to be able to... And when that happens, like, that it's within 20 minutes, I was blown away. And w- some people could probably argue, oh, cut away to the witch more often throughout the thing. Show her whatever. But as you come to find out, it's less about the witch and more about the uh, the four-legged thing to an extent that that is there the whole time or what form is that taking. Um, but it, it's just, it's so meticulously plotted out to hold your attention throughout. So the slow, there is that a little bit of a slow burn that ramps up to that ending, which is great. But to your point, Kron, that it, to, to put that right there in that story, basically first act is, was, was awesome. A movie now would not do that. They, they wouldn't show that. Yeah. And they would say, oh, it's the ambiguity and maybe show you that epilogue. Yeah. I feel like now, I mean, I feel like slow, the way slow burn has come to like uh, be presented now is kind of, you see the entirety of a movie and then in the last eight minutes, you get a definitive answer or something crazy happens where this movie would be like, Oh, somebody, you know, took all of our food and it's like very ambiguous. Like what happened to their food? Uh, Like, I feel like that would be the witch if it was made now. Whereas, I mean, that was honestly my concern going into this rewatch is like, uh, I think it's kind of like slower paced. I think it's kind of a little, you know, more methodical, but it's like on this rewatch, I was like, it's really not that. I mean, they show you the witch up front and then it's pretty like consistently you know, horror imagery or at least, you know, scenes of like, uh, I don't know, just like bad shit happening to this family. Like it's not slow burn in the sense of you got to watch the entire thing and then we're going to kill somebody. It's more, you know, just like deliberately paced, I guess, is the way I would describe this film. It's in a, go ahead. I was going to say, it's just a, <clears throat> great tension. I think that's, mm-hmm. it just holds that tension so tight. But yeah, like Crown is saying, there's not much that's going on. You don't get a jump scare, really. I mean, maybe the, when she's milking the goat, I guess at the end with, with the blood or whatever. But yeah, it's just that he holds that tension so good. And I know the, or go ahead, Bones. What, what are you well, say? to, Tension is a, an excellent way to put it. I was going to say a lot of stuff now. Um, I just uh, watched Hereditary for the first time in the last few weeks. You know, a lot of slow burn stuff now that we sort of dig that and the the dig on A24 stuff. There's less a vibe of horror and and it's instead we're trying to replace that with dread. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is a wonderful balance of dread but seeing cause and effect of it it's not just in the tone and cinematography where it it feels awful there's enough happening to make you 
solidify that where in hereditary there's just fucking like the cinematography and score and every you just feel tense as soon as you go in the house there isn't tension when they're around like just in the vibe of this it's the atmosphere of of the pressures coming into them so i think tension is the better word you do eventually start to feel dread for them but you are seeing the cause and effect of why you feel that and a lot of times to your point cron you're you're going through 90 minutes of a movie just feeling shitty and then they try to cap something off in the last act and i i, I don't care for that I, like i'm an action guy i want to see up 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 right or i want to see people try to defend themselves and get out of that which is another great thing that this movie does like every issue has some sort of conflict connected to it of you did this you did this and you were seeing other people's intentions or motivations right um but I, and we've Dan you and I talked about tension of like uh we both are big Interpol fans like we see Interpol live like nobody fucking waits for a for a drop like Interpol or Dunkirk I know you've come around and like you fucking love Dunkirk now cuz Dunkirk is just just winding 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 constantly and this to me is like perfect tension, a little bit of relief, perfect tension, a little bit of relief, perfect tension. And you've established that by immediate issue, seeing which immediate issue, seeing this. And that to me is more interesting of a watch. So I was thinking a lot about The Shining while I was yes. watching this, which is right. The ultimate just dread vibe. Um. I think they do a really good job, though, in this film of, uh, I mean, just showing you, like, the effects of what is happening. Because uh, kind of like we were saying, like, I feel like with Slow Burn Now, you'd have to wait till the very end of the movie. But this really doesn't do that. Like, they show you very deliberate, horrific scenes that occur, like, when you first see the witch, and then when that uh, kid runs off with his rifle, like, you see a dog mutilated you see him spit up that apple in that crazy scene, the thing with the crow. Like, you don't have to wait these long stretches in this movie for it to tell you, like, you are watching a horror film right now. Like, shit is hitting the fan, and it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse, The you know, for this family, the further we go into it. So, I don't know. I really, like, that was the thing that impressed me the most on this rewatch was just how the pacing... Like, it is old school in a way, but it's not that slow burn thing that happens now. And go ahead, Lance. Oh, so, and another fantastic element of that is putting that in a period piece and using that language, and more specifically, keeping all of those issues with or the reactions within character, right? Like, you. You understand everybody, everybody's motivation immediately. Never do you question, like, why the fuck is he doing that? You might question, like, well, that guy's belief is fucking stupid. But it was it's within his character for why, like, why they allow certain things to happen. Which, to me, I thought was, was beautifully executed. I think it's a film where every conversation between every character has consequences and pushes plot, I think. 
Yeah. Every conversation they have, especially with William, Mr. Ralph Innocent, who plays uh, the father there. He plays, you can, he the plays favorites through. Yes. Uh, yeah. Both him and uh, Catherine there are both in the Green Knight. They're in Game of Thrones as well. But yeah, conversations are very important. Even if with the dialogue, I mean, I know there's some shit online about, well, it's not really authentic and shit like that. But I'll go back to Kron. You do bring up a good point of you say horror movie. I know when this came out, a lot of people were like, this isn't even fucking horror. Like, I was like, what are you talking about? How? Yeah, I think it is horror. I mean, I don't know about it's you. It's terrifying. I think the Shining comparison is excellent. Like, it is kind of paced out that way. So, to me, it would... I mean, if someone really doesn't think this is horror, it would be like saying The Shining is not a horror movie. Because when, you know, you could make a cut of The Shining that's just a guy in a hotel. Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, but it's kind of like, well, you are ignoring, like, the major elements of the movie to make that argument. Yeah, it's... Do you remember that viral video where somebody recut The Shining and put that, uh, the like goofy score? <laughs> yeah, they put that Salisbury Hill song on it and they yeah. called it Shine or whatever. And it seemed like a father son early 2000s indie drama. Like, you, I don't, you can't do that with The Witch. <laughs> there's like no, there's no fucking montage possible of them successfully farming. Like, it is, it is horrific. As soon as they close that those gates, and you there is nobody else in the in the the picture after that, minus a witch like that. That's it. That's terrifying. To I'm not a parent, but to be put in that situation where you've got to literally build up your own fucking suburb and farm, and you're not a good farmer like that to me is fucking terrifying. More so than ah, I'm gonna go take a job at a fucking hotel and just be the the keeper for a few months, you know, maybe write a novel or something. This this initially starts with like, oh, you're gone, fuck you. Very few movies are able to pull that off from the opening scene. I think it's it it gets into like a weird kind of. I don't know, like an analysis of religion too. Like the movie certainly uses a lot of like satanic imagery throughout, but at the same time, like they get kicked out because this guy is like too Puritan for the Puritan okay, like I was gonna society. Ask question as well. So. Yeah, I mean, isn't that the whole beginning where they he's like, "You guys aren't preaching the gospel or whatever the right way," and he calls them false Christians. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the whole reason they get kicked out is because this guy can't even like, you know, he, he's like one step above where they're even willing to go. He like dooms his family in his, you know, adherence to this like blind mm-hmm. faith that he has. And they are already so many steps away from what was comfort, right? So Thomason and what was, what's the oldest son's name? Caleb. Caleb. Like they were alive back in England. So they crossed the Atlantic to to come with Puritans to be puritanical. Then you're kicked out from there from being more puritanical. Well, yeah, then they left England because they wanted to be more religious. That's why yeah. they went to America. <laughs> then 
even out on your own farm, you were acting in a way where all this other stuff around you, you can't, your pride of your puritanical belief won't allow you to go get more help. Like it, it's not until Caleb's fucked up where he's like, all right, shit, we got to go back. And I can't go back as a beggar. I got to figure out what we can piece together to go back to. That's, that's terrifying. I mean, it, most of the shit that I pick for this podcast, like the third act is a fucking sparks factory right inside of like LA like all right you're not that far away you can go get help right like halloween nobody will answer the door cuz it's halloween and the parents are out at a key party or some shit so this like whoa i don't know just it's just a perfect it, the the piece is just aligned so perfect i think in this i really i really really came around to this on this watch and uh, I'm excited to to watch it again later and see what other layer I could see, you know, or or would uncover itself. Because even this time, I was trying to think, all right, do the do the deaths have connections to their character, right? So the the father when he gets nervous, the only thing he can do well is cut wood, and we see it. The guy's a fucking beast. Like one swing, and they they are they are not without firewood and he thing. is the one thing that he can sort of provide and and how is he killed right he's fucking gored and then covered in firewood the all right okay i can i can see that caleb is killed because of his lust right he's he's drawn out there the fucking siren witchy call you know so and that was stuff that was just lost on me the first time I watched it because I was just locked. I was like, this is fucking, what the shit, Dan? This is stuff you're watching. So. What's well, the lie about the apple too, which Edgar's ties everything so well yeah. in a nice little present for you. It's it's all there at the end. You're... Yeah. And that's even a thing that my dumbass sort of knows is like, okay, I know what the apple Right, like the temptation of this, and using that as a lie to cover this, in this temptation, using that as the one thing that the mom might believe, and then tying that back to, and then the mom basically admits, like, I, I fucking hate this. Like, we <laughs> fucked up. I wish we were back in fucking England. You know, um, her thing of like, I was noticing on this watch, like, she admits that she was aware of her 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 blossoming and how it was fucking with Caleb and it might have actually been fucking with the dad and she's apt to get her the fuck out of there go work for another family so i think there was like you know some jealousy with her and the fact that she sliced and in th this watch i also noticed were they trying to go for right cuz this is the time where they're still bleeding people when they're sick they're slicing them up to bleed them. Uh, you know, Thomas and Nick's are on the eye, kind of in the same place. But yeah, yeah I think it'd go it'd be interesting. Like if, if people are listening to this and, and and note something, like tell me, like, oh, this this mirrors that. I'd be interested to know what other people caught on. I think it's interesting too that uh you kind of touched on it, but it is like I mean they get kicked out for being so puritanical. 
But then they are like, they're not good Puritans either. Like they are lying. They're lustful. Like they struggle. Yeah. But it's like they fall into all the same things that honestly just make like people people, you know, it's like that stuff is unavoidable, but they also like that dad represents himself as like, no, we're so good. Like we will leave. Like we'll go out and be on our own because we know how to be like the proper Christians. But yeah, it's like, as soon as they get out there, they're stealing, they're lying they're like, they're just doing all that shit anyway, you know? And it- yeah, I mean, he's, he makes them do, um, Bible verses and shit while they're hunting and, even though they're doing something wrong while they're hunting, they're lying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, it's the other, the other thing I caught, he, he tells them at the dinner table, like, Oh, tomorrow we're going to fast to sort of repent for our sin. You're like, well, it's cause you ain't got no fucking food, man. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't come back with anything. And, and a lot of these stories, you know, it's easy to say, all right, it's their hypocrisy that got them killed and, and sure. But, it's it's more so right about Black Phillip's ability to just fucking adjust something just right and let their own hypocrisy just blow out of proportion. It's not just necessarily like, oh, you were prideful and I killed you in a way against your pride, or you were lustful and I, you know, it's 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 using that against each other and the way that it does mesh under the guise of trying to be pure. Um, it feels like he's kind of just sitting back and this is entertainment to him. Black Phillip. Like, all right, let's see what, where it goes from here. We'll, we'll do a little of this. Yeah. We'll let, uh, Macy say that I tell him what to do and shit. See how they act. <laughs> yeah. Of course, nobody believes them. I mean, at a certain point, he does. He almost believes the twins more so than than Thomason. I, yeah, I mean, well, I think they all do. I mean, yeah, like at the very end, it turns into like. I mean, doesn't Thomas like Thomason wakes up outside and the mom is like, "This is you." Like, yeah, the twins are gone. The yeah. goat is dead. The dad's yeah. dead. Like. Yeah, like they instantly turn on each other at every drop of a hat, basically. Well, I think that goes back to conversations of Tomlinson kind of playing with Macy at the river saying, yeah, I did all that. That's me. I'm a witch. You could tell she was just fucking around, but eventually that all got turned and focused on her. And that's 100% what a, a girl at her age would do, right? To sort of lean into this take the command because it was her job to watch the younger children anyway so she's just trying to put the line back in i think right but every girl goes through sort of i wouldn't call it like an emo phase but like a you know a counterculture yeah i am dark right i mean if she had eyeliner she would have put it on well and i mean also just 62 years later that is probably why someone got burned at the stake like literally oh yeah because they were like yeah i'm a witch i fucking did that you know Mm -hmm. some offhanded comment (laughs) and yeah you get fucking you're killed oh there was 100 percent cron one of those girls that got burned at the stake was because like they thought it would be cool (laughs) 
right? I mean, sure. It's, all right, cool. Yeah. Put some charred charcoal. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm damaged. I'm a mm-hmm. witch. And then thirty or three seconds into that fire, now nah, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> So it sounds like uh, we all like the movie. Karan, yeah. where are you at? Uh, yeah, I think initially when I first watched this, I was a four like Bones. Uh, I think I would go up as well on this rewatch. All right. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, Edgar's, I think, knocks it out of the park. I think uh, according to a 20... 20- 20 indie wire piece he can't stand to watch this he doesn't feel like he was ready enough to fully encompass everything that he had in his mind to what the film is he said so it kind of makes him cringe a little bit which he feels that when he did the lighthouse that he really got it like solid there which i'm like i I don't know, man. Like, I would I think say any fucking filmmaker would be like, oh, yeah, that was my first movie. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think the guy has anything to feel bad about. I feel like the imagery in the lighthouse is a little more amped up. So it's like, maybe that's what he means. I mean, it's like very stylized that film, but at the same time, I feel like it's more kind of like, I don't know the, like, it's maybe more of a, I don't even want to say cohesive, but, like, there is something about the way the lighthouse looks that makes it have, like, this very dark atmosphere. But, yeah, I mean, I would be right there with you. Like, I feel like if this was anyone's first film, why would you ever, well, how could you not watch it? I mean, it's fucking an amazing movie. I think I said it in the Northman episode because I, I mean, I really enjoyed the Northman, but this is still my favorite of his three. Um, I mean, there's something to that, right? There's the, uh, the first album by any like really great band, right? Like Pearl Jam 10 to me is still the best Pearl Jam album. There's something to that, right? They were hungry. It's the one that they played the most. Right, and then they get a little bit more confident, or they wrote the album, the second album, while they're on tour, and that always kind of informs it, you know. So this probably informed Lighthouse because, like you said, he was able to like, oh, I know what I need to do to, to make my internal imagery, you know, visual and 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 actually pop. But there's, I think even Danny Boyle in an interview once he said like 20 years after your first movie, you'll realize that your first movie was your best because you don't really know what you're doing wrong. And, and you're, you, you're not just criticizing ex- yourself. Yeah. The excitement to get there. And he even said like, at a certain point, every filmmaker kind of goes like, how do I get back to that? And every band sort of does that, right? Like, how do I get back to what I was doing? So while I really, again, like liked the Northmen, you know, don't be too hard on yourself, dude. I think you fucking nailed it here. I, well, I think there's definitely something to that too. Cause there's, it, it is like your first album, your first movie, like that is the thing that you kicked around in your head for five, 10 years before you got to realize it, you know? And it's like, 
the album that comes after that, it's like, oh, that's the thing you did 18 months after the first one. You know, it's like, that's kind of where you moved like such a small increment of time compared to your first album was six years of playing shitty venues and like, you know, getting your name out there. And then, yeah, it's kind of like, I do feel like there's a lot of value in that very first thing because it's, that's out of any artist career, that's almost what you spend the most time on. Just your, your thoughts, like how you develop it. It's all in that kind of like first film in a way. I think I find with, uh, Edgar's as Egg, Edgar's as well. Uh, s- uh, multiple watches are needed. I think uh, the lighthouse when we when I first saw it, uh, me and Penny Smasher went down and watched it, and it was like, ah. Eh. And then I I know on the second watch I was like, all right, like this it flowed a little better. I haven't watched the Northman again yet, but we'll get there. I I'm usually in favor of that, but I I do think you still have to deliver upon that first watch and i think the Mm -hmm. witch did the lighthouse for me didn't but knowing how much like you said for you you went back and it hit a little bit more um i have that with nolan right i'm i'm not gonna step on the current landmine but there are some nolan movies where at first watch i was like what the fuck it's not a landmine. And then I went back and I was like, I understand it, but I still got a lot of problems with it, you know, but it's, you, you need to deliver American psycho, which I absolutely love was definitely one where the first time I watched it, I was like, this is fucked up, but it wasn't until subsequent watches that I realized how fucking funny it was. Right. Um, repo man. First time I watched it, I was like, this is fucking crazy. This, this is fucking awesome. Second time I watched it, I realized, oh, okay. I, I get the meta-ness inside of here. All right, I get it. Um, so I 100% think that's allowed, but on a big commercial movie, if you're going to put it up on a fucking screen, you got to put something in there for the dumb shits, right? They've got to be able to walk away from it. Otherwise, you're making an art house movie, and maybe that's what Eggers wants to be. But it doesn't sound like it, not with the budget he had for fucking Northman. Um. Well, wasn't wasn't this dude like a costumer or something before? I feel like he like worked on movies, but it wasn't you know he wasn't directing for sure for certain. But I feel like he did like costumes or it was like some kind of like niche thing. I think he was building sets for plays and shit. Maybe yeah, maybe that's it. But this was this was like five years, right? Just script alone? Uh, well, actually, I think one of the ladies he was working with turned it into somebody without him knowing because he didn't consider the witch. He he didn't feel it was done yet. And they came back and they were like, we fucking love this. Like, let's do it. And that's how he kind of got started on it. Damn. But as a man that's just super into detail, of course, that's... I fuck you. Give me a period piece. You give me details. Like goddamn, I'm I'm hard as a rock for you. I'll, I'll go to the theater to watch it. But um, but you didn't like Oppenheimer. It's weird. Yeah, I'm just fucking. I don't. Maybe just too 
big of a budget. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I know. It's too big. We'll, for we'll, no, we'll, for we'll, Nolan, <laughs> unbelievable, dude. I mean, how could you say that? There's some there's some it's issues with it, movie. man. It's uh, the guy's best so movie is Memento yeah. when he had <laughs> he kind of had to scrap it out. I mean, he got four million for this, and I don't I don't think you see four million on the screen. I don't I don't know. I mean, he built everything as it would be in the 1630s, the buildings. The I mean, he didn't have much, but. I mean, I don't know. This feels like this. I see four million. Brought us a introduced us to a wonderful actress that will have a yeah. beautiful career. I think. I think the only when I was watching it this time, I was like, I wish so bad that this would have been shot on film. Like, I think it would just give it like a different kind of vibe and look. It's, it's like just a hair too polished just because of the digital aspect of it. But I feel like film, you would get some kind of like grain and grit in there and it would, it would feel older, you know? I guess I can see that it, to me, I think, uh, he nailed the aspect ratio on this it one. Was, uh, the cinematographer Light. did say that he wanted to scale that down to like the 1950s. Yeah. Just to get that feel in there. But there's there's something about when you see that witch on that mortar home pestle, there's mm-hmm. something about that. And I, limited light is super important in this. So the the digital to me works perfectly. And I'm, I mean, of course, I'm starting to come around like fucking Roger Deakins a few years ago in that DP roundtable was like, I wish we'd quit having this argument. Like, if you want me to put a fucking film filter on it, I'll put a fucking film filter on it. Like, don't I, 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 I can do everything with digital that I can with film or, you know, like and or not vice versa. But like, if you wanted me to look at it like that, I, I, I can make it look like that is basically the argument. So. I'm starting to come around. Maybe it's the freaking uh, uh, softness. You know, it's like a, it's still a raw wound. You know, but well, there's. I feel like even before the witch with the mortar and pestle, like there's a shot in this movie. It's like right when they leave uh, the the like Puritan colony, and so they've like left that. They've traveled for a day, and there's just a simple night shot where it's like. It's like, the, yeah, it's like the top half of the screen is all dark and only the bottom like left portion, mm-hmm. like you see all of them setting around a fire and like the entire rest of it is just dark. And to me, that was the shot where it's like, fuck dude, this guy, like him and his cinematographer like knew exactly. I mean, it looks like a Renaissance painting or something. You yeah. Know? It's uh Shot mostly only with natural light when that was available. Jar Jarin Balskcheck, I think his name is, is the cinematographer. Has he I stuck think with he's him? worked on all three as okay. well. Uh they do have there's a cinematographer podcast. I fuck, I can't think of the goddamn name of it. I'd have to get I'll put it in the show notes. But uh they do have a discussion with these two as well about I think it was was in uh the lighthouse came out. But they do talk about all, both movies. When 
when they are praying over Caleb and they're up in the loft, I think that the natural light, that grayness, it feels cold and awful. And he's white as it's Bob yeah, I, I I it's that to me was one of the more immersive scenes. Just by how gross you feel in that. When they're first, it's a very small, when they're coming into the forest to hunt and they're walking and the Fowler, the dogs running around as well. Yeah. Like I just, and you got the mist in there and shit. I'm like, God damn, that's like, that's so good. That's one of the ones that I'm like, oh fuck, that's good. God damn it. It's it. Suck on it. Oh, 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 cradle the balls. Well, we are coming up a little after almost an hour here. I propose we take a break and then maybe hit uh, some plot. We can what do, do you guys think? Love you guys. Cool. Welcome back, everybody, to our five-star banger tonight of The Witch from 2015, directed by Robert Edgers. And oh, what a discussion we have had. Feeling like a movie review podcast, are we, gentlemen? Mm -hmm. It's the most professional we've (laughs) acted on any show. People are going to be weirded out. Mm Mm-hmm. I like mean, se- we, season two we can't changed really, you guys. I don't know. You can't really joke about this shit. It's about Satan. Yeah, we don't. That's a no go. We're a Christian podcast. I I do think it's important every once in a while to remind people that Satan that, rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know anybody or know anything about movies and and have this type of discussion off pod right that's not it's, we ha- we do the same dick and chick uh, jizz jokes in our text messages it's, we don't actually analyze anything and put on a front yeah it's probably good just to remind people i mean that's what the five star bangers are for to let people know that we actually do like movies <laughs> we watch good shit every once in a while folks I'll say during our regular five-day rentals, we got two to three minutes chunks of decent movie criticism there, Mm -hmm. I think. Bones cut them together. Sometimes. (laughs) I think Hannibal, we went pretty fucking movie critic on that shit. Yeah, we got some positive feedback about the... You know, the anti-hero sort of, you know, white guy connective stuff about that. So there's inside the inside that little hole of the dick joke. You can you can take a, a long, windy path up to some heart. It shouldn't be windy, bro. It should just be a straight line. Well, you, you, go wrong in, with your you shouldn't go, go in that hole. You got to go in, and whether or not whatever <laughs> valve's open, are you going to the kidneys or are you going to the testes? You should never go in that hole. <laughs> and don't put anything up it either. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Gentlemen. We start our movie off 
with uh, William here. And, uh, some of this we've already discussed. So uh, they are a Puritan family. This is taking place in or 1630s New England. Uh, he dismisses all these people around him as false Christians. And uh, the others claim that he speaks ill of the word of God. So there's obviously a disagreement. We have William. We have Catherine, who is Kate Dickey. Uh, our eldest daughter is Tomlinson, who is Anya Tyler, Taylor Joy. Sorry. Son Caleb, Harvey Shrimshaw. We have twins, Mercy, what who is Ellie Granger. Sh- Shrimshaw? And, uh, Jonas, Lucas Dawson. We also have baby Samuel. I don't have his real name. They have been banished from the New England plantation. So they start a small farm in the wilderness. Macy and Jonas frequently play with a large black goat named Black Philip. One afternoon, Tomlinson is playing with uh, Samuel, Peekaboo, classic game. Uh, she covers her face to scare him, but when she looks down, Sam is gone. And this is also an, uh, another beautiful shot of just one tree that our twig that's just moving. Mm-hmm. So you can there's clearly like a, see, like, oh, there's a presence here. Like a little wrestling sound too. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's like a very, very simple effect that they did, but does a lot for the movie. Also the peekaboo, like the edit on the peekaboo, you know something is coming and there's like one more than you would normally put in there where you... It's- like the game of peekaboo itself, which is like the first time a baby is because like they're fucking with their visual, right? Like you're you you're playing a trick on them. Like you, it is a horror aspect to them. Still, like you're teaching them that. But I think she does it like four times, and you would think like on the third time she would be gone, and it lulls you in, and then bam, gone. Yeah, I do this every day with uh with my Mav. He'll get behind the curtain. I'm like, where's Mav? Where'd he go? And he's like, hey. He hasn't disappeared yet, unfortunately. <laughs> Jesus. It's not a three minute and a baby thing? Or is that random ghost kid in the curtains? Was, you remember was that? Three minute and a baby a, a ghost movie? There was that. I don't know but, if I've ever fully watched. I, I think I have I've on never USA. Seen, okay, but I because so, it was always fucking somebody's going to back me up on this. There was like uh, some dumbass story where in Three Men and a Baby you see like the ghost of a kid. Ah, uh, I think I do remember that. Yeah, um, just like you know, Wizard of Oz, you see one of the uh, little people <laughs> hanging. In the background or something. A munchkin who hanged himself? Yeah, there was like a, there's some lore around that, but. Yeah, I think it's just like a bird though, right? Yeah. Or is that what Big Oz wants me to believe? Yeah, I'm sure there's some (laughs) actual explanation. And I think the kid in uh, uh, Three Men and a Baby is like a cardboard cutout or something. But there was like. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. I remember hearing about that. Okay. Jonas. I totally lost my mind. Yeah, for the fucking Tom Selleck category where we do <laughs> three minute a baby, quickly down under, and a stone cold. We already did stone cold. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, we cut to somewhere in the darkest My parts God. of the woods where a wrinkled hand strokes Sam's body. Moments before, the creature lowers a knife to his chest. We then see a haggard old woman pounding what appears to be Sam's remains before consuming them. The woman then slowly walks out of the woods. She also um, is putting blood on her broomstick. They call it the float. an ointment. Yes. They rub it on themselves and their stick, and that's how they fly. It's like a very effective series of shots, too, because if you take any of them by themselves, they're not that graphic, really. Like, what are you seeing besides, like, some chunks of meat around a mortar and pestle? You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of that whole Texas Chainsaw thing where it's like, your mind fills in all the gaps that are there and makes it a more, uh, like, you know, horrifying visual than it than what you actually get yeah and you are incredibly taken aback by how fast you are seeing this i was gonna say with this viewing these this sequence got me more than any other viewing like god damn these are some pretty like the imagery is really intense and also whenever um caitlin like lays in the grave with Caleb. I think that was one of the ones that really was like, oh god damn, like Yeah. The first so, shot of the the like baby cuz it's just like head, like the baby's head, you know, and you're mm-hmm. looking like down kind of across its body. I thought that was like a pretty effective shot. That's one of those where if I'm the parent of that baby actor, I'm like, "Wait, what the fuck are you doing?" Like uh what did I sign up for? Yeah, is that is that knife made of cardboard? Uh, <laughs> like, uh, Catherine becomes distraught following Sam's disappearance. The family believes that a wolf has took the baby, but as viewers, we can clearly see that that probably is not the case. Caleb goes out to hunt with his father, uh, at but first he starts to notice. Tomlinson's breasts as he is a young man. Oh, man. You know, kind of like a brother-sister love thing going on. I I almost wish we had some. I don't think so. Yeah, but it makes me wish we had someone who knew anything about that subject that could, you know, come onto the pod. You guys were selecting movies specific to get me back so soon. G'day, fellas. I was trying to avoid it. I knew that he was going to show up on this episode, dude. Well, I was taking a note out of Nate uh, Nate Hands, and I was going to come in later. I must have listened to past episodes. If you call me in, here he is. Mm -hmm. Pete Kidman. Pete Kidman, uh, the superstar of season two, apparently. Everybody wants to be you, but nobody does. Uh, Poor just, Caleb. I was lying about that. Poor Caleb, and all right. He's just an absolute tragic figure. So you've seen The Witch. Yeah. Well, that was my that was going to be my question, I've seen two scenes too, of The Witch. Like, I feel like you're in Australia. I mean, it might not show up there until 2029, you know? Who I, knows uh, what the release schedule is? Got my hand on a bootleg copy. 
Oh, you got a called, bootleg copy? Yeah, it was filmed on a uh, Nokia Razor. Oh, shit. How's that quality looking? It was good. It was in the proper aspect ratio, so I was able to get what I needed. Did you uh, connect to the to the Caleb character in this film? It's important for men to see themselves represented on screen, and uh, I think the witch, I think the witch got that right. I think uh, I think that's a point five on your rating scale. Don't you guys like say barbecue a, a, goats down there a lot? Not a lot of goats down here. Not like you'd think. The heat. They can't do that. Huh. Figured Australia. Covered in goats. I feel like Caleb's thing was almost more of a... I mean, there just wasn't anyone else around. You know what I mean? It was kind of like... He's a young man coming into age. I Yeah, but I, I feel like Pete's thing is... There's other people in Australia. I mean, not in the bush. Well, now, Pete, Pete, we don't want you to know what she does downstairs. Now I'm talking about a different type of bush, mate. Oh, all right. There's there's other women around where you guys live. I'm not a pro bush guy. Catch my drift. (laughs) Because I'm trying to stop the spread of crabs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't koalas a, have like a, syphilis or some shit? Yeah, they f- they fuck. They got all sorts. Uh, I think it's gonorrhea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But there's a direct correlation with the trimming of pubic hair and the decline in crabs. I think we have, we sell boxes that put your pubic hair in. Very so you, nice. You're just saying the more you trim, the less crabs there are. That's right. Okay. That makes sense. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Those pesky buggers can't get in there. They can't grab on. Because that's why they call them crabs, right? Like, grab on. Pete, how are we feeling if about Satan? No... Uh, well, being down under, right? I am the, uh, <laughs> I am bred of criminals. I will admit that. And uh, there's no place for God in the prison system. Okay. I believe it's hypocrisy <laughs> incarnate. I feel like there are chaplains and things that show up from time to time. Hmm. And I wonder how many of these people actually continue with their prayers once they get out from serving their nickel. And they get right back out on the street. And they get right back up to the activity that they were doing because they take Christianity as a cop-out. And once you set that up tonight. in the criminal mind, that all I got to do is beg forgiveness, say that in front of a poor old board, and then I'm back out there beating around on the bush. And that's what I mean. Pete, have you served time in Australian prison for your crimes against your family, I would guess? He does know a lot. Being in He's Australia a, is prison like in itself, my friend. When you're out there in the bush and it's you and your family... And it's just a four of you, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not the shame of Caleb. It is the shame of the parents. It's same shame that I would direct at people who homeschool. It's not just the education. It's the socialization that these kids need. And they need other breasts to look at. 
So when you put Caleb in this situation with these mm-hmm. developing breasts, it is not on Caleb. Was his dad also not 13, 14 years old? Hmm? You're what, blaming dude? society? I'm blaming society. I'm blaming it, the parents. It's I'm 1630. Not, I'm not blaming Caleb. Because it's Sounds obvious like- on screen that Caleb feels shame about what he's feeling. I'm like impressed. Sounds like a real endorsement for your hustlers, your penthouses, your, you know, your literature. That it's makes... an endorsement for proper sex education. Mm-hmm. All right. You'll find that in Nordic countries, European countries, there's probably less association with with shame because they're open about their sexuality and what the body does. Now, a Christian household that says this is shame but then also produces 16 fucking kids. That's a problem. That's hypocrisy, mate. <laughs> Where the fuck did those kids come from? It's fucking. In technical terms, yes. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind Fucking weird. doesn't mean, it's not a bad word where I'm from. We all say fuck and cunt and all that stuff. Whoa, dude. Get over yourselves. Whoa. Get over yourselves, you Yankee. Jeez. It's kind of weird. It's like, I agree. Advisory on this episode. I agree with some of Pete's points, but I do think Pete personally should feel shame. You've locked you've locked Pete in a place of feeling shame, and he went away for a few weeks and he thought about what what situation you put him in, and that's not it's not nice. I'm gonna say he's coming back strong tonight. I think I, uh, he really Pete you know, came, feels Pete, something with the witch. Pete came up in a time where Playboy existed. It's not about then, it's about now, Kron. It I was think maybe little, he's, he's coming it, around. It was a 15-hour drive to any sort of general store. Oh, you're telling me the bush wasn't full of magazines discarded? I, you know what? Old... I don't know what it is about America where you boys get to go out in the woods and there's a hefty bag. How many hefty bags are you guys, by the way? Full I'm of a, porn. I'm a fiver. You guys are five? Okay. Yeah, five, I guess. We don't use gallons down here. It's like liters, so it's a little <laughs> different. It's not like a 13 yeah, the, bag. the conversion's all yeah, messed it's, up. Yeah, it's real weird. So down there, I'm Never like a seven. It. I'm definitely a seven, and I know Bones is a seven in a, the American gallon version. But uh, listen, America, you got to get over your shit. You got to let 13-year-olds look at boobs. Uh, well, Kidman okay. out. I'm glad... I'm glad you agree with that, Pete. Um, thank you for joining I th- us. I think we do. I mean, Airplane was a PG movie. That has breasts in it. I feel like we let it slide every now and again. Just something. Something for the little guy out there, you know? We were on the right path, and then mm-hmm. then we lost it. Yeah, uh, I think we've gotten worse since the 80s. Pete Kidman, ladies and gentlemen. Pete was here? Maybe sorry, I don't. I stepped I don't out know. to go check my uh, wolf trap. I think, I think I he made I some good it. points though. I'm, Did you chew up a bunch of moss in your cheek first? Always. Yeah. Might okay. be a snare. You never know. Yeah. Out in the woods, Caleb becomes fearful that Sam was taken because he lived in sin because he was a baby. He didn't have a. Um, Dunk the baby in the water. Uh, baptism. Baptism. There you go. 
Making wow. Caleb worried that he is also leading a sinful they didn't, life. Triple H didn't show up and fucking power slam him into a puddle of holy water. If you ain't power slamming, <laughs> you ain't doing it right. He's also leading a sinful life Bro, that will lead to his doom. You would well. probably get more people to get baptized if they got to select like what signature move. I mean, if the in. Undertaker could tombstone me into the water, I'd be baptized. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't, dude. That's the wrong pick. You're going head first. Yeah, Fuck into, yeah dude. your nose is no, full into up. Christianity. You got to get like stunned. <laughs> your head's only in for like a split second. Yeah, I think the stunner's the way to go. <laughs> I hope you can hold your breath, Dan. I'm swimming back up, dude. It's water. It's not the mat. You're gonna go so far under, you'll never come up again. It is the Undertaker. It's the ultimate tombstone, dude. What was uh? Shawn Michaels, the super the kick. Sweet chin music. Sweet chin music. That might be the oh, best because then you just in. you fall back in. That's yeah, pretty good. Like a Lipton iced tea commercial. <sighs> Refreshing. I would love for the Dudley boys to set up a table in the baptismal. <laughs> 3D just, right through there. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm glad we've all picked our WWE finisher for to be baptized with. <laughs> hey, light that table on fire first. Hey, join the Discord and tell us what your WWE finisher into baptism would be. William confronts his son as they proceed to hunt. William's I think the worst one would be the mandible claw, because you still got to get a fucking socked finger in your mouth. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I want double, double J Jeff Jarrett to hit me with that guitar and I just fall in. Yeah. And priests, right? They live a, a minimal lifestyle, so they've only got the one pair of socks. Mm -hmm. So that's a stanky-ass sock. Oh, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> that, or it's the same sock that they use for every baptism, so you're getting every previous person's fucking loogies. Well, it's easy to get. It's standing up in the corner. Uh, Williams. <laughs> <God> damn, dude. <laughs> William aims his rifle at this rabbit. I guess it's better than what he could be firing into. Gentlemen, back in the day, rabbits were considered a animal of to be associated with witches. Uh, the, the rabbit is fucking terrifying. The rabbit is the witch, I believe. The rabbit's the witch? I believe. That, okay. That's what he's going for. I guess there's something all over the neighborhood out here. Oh. I think I've told you guys before that I left for work one morning and saw a fucking fleet of rabbits, 30 rabbits running down the street. A hair not, not appears a frequently in the film. In colonial New England, hares were considered magical creatures in their own right. They were often associated with witches, either as milk hare, which stole or spoiled milk from the farm animals, or the witches themselves, who were thought able to turn into hairs in order to spy or influence people. I go out to water my garden and I would say 10% of the time a rabbit shoots out of it. Scares me every time. I guarantee I mean, you there's three in my backyard right now. There's probably, yeah, there's probably three in mine yeah. as well. 
You go out there with a mag light? Nah, I could get on Fuck the camera him. and see him. Fucking, Fucking prison. Brewster's millions. Prison. Uh, the recoil of the shot gets him in the eye of William and the rabbit runs away. The two return home to an angry Catherine. Thomason takes the blame for her father and the two of them going hunting. Thomason Tommy, and Caleb. Thomason uh, does or Caleb does? On a Chattahoochee. Uh, gathering water, Macy comes along and accuses Thomason of being a witch, blaming her for Sam's disappearance. Thomason plays along with the accusation and starts to terrify Macy. Tomlinson says she is a witch and that she will get Macy if she continues to bother her. With the lack of growth from their crops uh, beginning to turn problematic, Tomlinson and Caleb venture into the woods. The two of them separate. I believe they go to check traps. Caleb disappears and comes across a small cottage. From the doorway emerges a beautiful young woman, Mrs. Sarah she, Stevens. She's pretty hot, I thought. I kind of like this. I like how the witch can, you know. I mean, do I would what hope she, has to do. she would always stay like this. Then we might be able to work something out, but. Mm-hmm. No, nah, she's going to go hag at some point. I mean, <laughs> she's she got to. She lures uh, Caleb. The shot of Caleb running around with that rifle is pretty funny because it's like it's probably three times as big as he is. Mm-hmm. I think these shots are really good because it shows you how each time that he's going through the thicket of the forest, it just seems more and more entangled as he's going in before he does find her shack or whatever. Yeah, they they show him going up and under tree roots and logs, and when he's out with his father before, it's it seems like a simple, easy to follow trail. Yeah, that's that is subtle. That's a good call, Cron. I made my wife watch uh, Last of the Mohicans this week on vacation, and I had the same thought about the rifle because Daniel Day Lewis is six and a half feet tall. And the fucking muskets that he's running around with, they look like they're 12 feet long. It's fucking crazy. But I guess that makes them more accurate. I don't know. I don't know. It's so wild. And you've got that, like, big, long fuse that you've got to let, like, burn down to fucking... You know, it's like a... Even if you can get a shot off, it's a, what, 15-minute process to, like... And no wonder you're not getting shit. Yeah. Yeah fucking sucks what do you what do you think the casting situation is on all right we need a hot witchy looking woman with great cleavage that's a fun day right (laughs) do you just go to a renaissance fair or like a beer house Mm mm-hmm because you got to, outside of just like the perviness of like, oh, lady with big breasts and great cleavage, it's important to show because that's the connection that he's starting, that Caleb's having, right, with his sexual awakening. So you really got to lean into these cleavages, so. Yeah. You just explain it as the director, just like mm-hmm. that, though. <laughs> I'm not here to look at boobs, but I kind of am. It's, like, yep. 
I always it's, feel that way with like casting. Like when we watched uh, Gone with the Pope, right? And there's that big woman that they, you know, fool around with. Like you write that into the script and then it's somebody's job to look for fat people and say, nope, we need a fatter person or you're the fat person playing a fat person. Mm -hmm. That's got to be so demeaning. I feel like with Gone with the Pope, it was probably a little different than <laughs> The Witch. <laughs> they he talks, bullshit walks. He probably already knew that lady, to be honest. <laughs> the actress who plays the oldest witch and most powerful is named Bathsheba. Bathsheba Garnett in real life. A year later, uh, The Conjuring was released, premiered in theaters, and the ghost... And that movie is a satanic witch called Bathsheba. Oh, and previously she played the old lady in the tub at the Overlook. <laughs> uh, that's interesting that you said that, Dan, because I was going to say Bathsheba sounds like a witch name. Uh, cool. Yeah. There's also something along of the lines of she had a difficult time. With the that it showed the consumption of Sam. Apparently, she wasn't a fan of that. All right, this younger oh, witch fucking day, cash the check, that's, dude. Yeah, it's a day one conversation, right? <laughs> she didn't know what he was going to cut. I mean, how he's going to cut it together. All right, this younger witch she lures Caleb into uh, her shack here and kisses him, grabbing his head with her haggard hand. All right, I'm mashing up a grapefruit. And a package of Bar S hot dogs. What is this supposed to be? It's fine. Uh, I'll Don't worry it. about it. You'll see it when it comes we'll, together. We'll save it in the edit. Tomlinson later finds Caleb outside in the rain as she uh, uh, beds the goats. He's naked and scared. The family com becomes very worried about something evil is overtaking them. Uh, Mercy and Jonas continue to accuse Tomlinson of being a witch. That's the twins. Uh, to the point where Catherine appears to maybe believe them. Later, Catherine discusses with William that they should give Tomlinson to another family to serve, which she overhears, of course. Caleb is bedridden, Apparently, and the family prays for him. A very common thing in these times. Yeah. Make some money for the family. After a while, Caleb begins to speak some sort of prayer uh, he also spits up a rotten apple as well, referring to a lie that they told uh, Catherine that he thought he saw an apple in the field and they were looking for it. The dad ha having to use the knife to pry open his jaw is also very terrifying. It's very mm -hmm. intense. Scene. Yeah. Uh, they did lie about them going into the woods. That was one of the lies. While Macy and Jonas are also they start to wither on the ground as if they were possessed as well. Caleb speaks as though he accepts that he is about to meet God. Could you imagine just giving one of these people a Oreo cookie? If like the best thing they've ever had is a fucking granny Smith apple, <laughs> their fucking world would explode. Yeah. It wouldn't even have to be a double stuff. Just a regular <laughs> no, just shit a regular ass Oreo. 
Could be a thin. An Oreo mini. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he starts to moan passionately, and before dying, he smiles. This dialogue, I believe, his prayer is one of the most pulled from diaries and previous writings. Um, a lot of the verbiage that this guy uses, because um, the the character of William, one guy in a, in the video, he was connecting how they're based on real people, and in one of the the guy who plays or the the guy that they believe William is based upon a lot of his writings in that there is a thing about uh, stretch me open and kiss me upon thine lips or whatever. So all of the shit that he's saying is, is directly pulled from historical writing. Yeah. Ralph uh, Innocent, who plays William is also would run uh, child acting classes and when uh, Robert Eggers was filming this, he was like, I know nothing about child actors. Can you just kind of take over and and guide them as we go through this? So a lot of the children acting is is Ralph coming in and like telling all these kids how to like, this is how we want to do this. Of course, with also the the Puritan language as well. So he was kind of directing them at that moment, and Edders kind of just sat back and was like, all right, man, yeah, you do your thing. Can you imagine being six years old and your mom signed you up for a kid acting <laughs> camp and a guy with that fucking voice? Oh, that voice. But, well, they say Caleb had a really hard time, the actor who did him uh, or played him, with a lot of what was going on, and uh, Innocent had to come in and, I guess, uh, compare it to football, English football, to kind of be like, all right, this is our big like gold scoring moment here uh, with his possession scene. So, I know you'd I th- rather be at home watching the telly, but <laughs> I think it'd be tough. I mean, just even doing the old English would be like, I don't know if I could do that, and I speak English, and you know, it's like be fucking hard as hell yeah if you look on a lot of the the kids imdbs and stuff they have caleb has not worked since well so fucked him up like, huh? i wonder if like maybe they're like oh fuck this acting stuff oh uh, did he get shelly duvald <laughs> tomlinson runs outside to cry in despair william starts to accuse her of evil doings that led to caleb's death she angrily defends herself and states that perhaps it was Macy and Jonas that made a, de- a demonic pact with Black Phillips. She also tells William that they had been talking to the goat. William locks his three surviving children in the barn with the goats. This is one of the, the scariest parts of the movie, I think, is like when they're just locked in that cabin and you see the old hag again. Yeah, milk and the goat. Yeah. 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 In the barn, the kids see a pale nude figure drinking the blood of one of the goats. The creature, or the witch. I could get out of that barn. Turns around and cackles at Macy and Jonas. That's an easy barn to get out of. Causing them to scream. Quick elbow. Oh, you could definitely bust your way out of that. Bones is out of there. They could have all busted their way out of that, Mm -hmm. that barn. Get the goat to kick it, you know? Turn it around, like slap its 
slap its ass, get it to kick, you know? Mm-hmm. Utilize your surroundings, people. Meanwhile, Catherine appears to find Caleb sitting in a chair, holding Samuel. Which is a great shot. She comes out of the bed, and we see the silver cup in the back. I think it's wonderful. Uh, Sam needs to be breastfed because he's hungry, but in reality, it's just a crow pecking at Catherine's bosom. Uh, I, I would say it rivals the uh, the child sacrifice in terms of like fucked up visual. I think the payoff is great when uh, William wakes up because we see the blood stain. Yeah. When he's coming out. I think that's great. Uh, in the morning, the goats have been slaughtered. Uh, Macy and Jonas have vanished. Tomlinson emerges from the barn and sees Black Philip charge William, impaling him with one of his horns. Williams grabs a hatchet and seems ready to fight. But then he drops it, allowing Black Phillips to charge him once again and knock him into a pile of logs that crushes him. Hey, just very seriously, knowing the size of Black Phillip, do you guys think that you could defeat that goat? I think I could, but I think it'd be a fight. Well, what if he got the drop on you like he does with... I mean, if he, like, gores you straight, like, when you're not even looking... That's what I... That's the difference, though, right? Because what if I get the drop on him? But you make a good point. <laughs> yeah. He gets the drop on him and, and impales him, and he gets him right in the... I mean, he's right in the lung, man. He's punctured, so... Okay, um, the, the caveat is he gets you first, and then you have to scramble. Do you think you could still take this goat? I don't think I could. I mean, how much do you think that goat weighs? That's that's a 170-pound goat. See, I was going to say like 140-ish. They got power, though, man. They got that. They they got that. I think if he got you first, it would be tough. Like, it would be. If he hit me with the shot that he gets, William, yeah, I think maybe if I don't get the high ground or have time to fucking Arnold Predator, I I don't know. Yeah, he might. Backflip might take me. Yeah. I think if, if he got the drop on me. Yeah, but head on, yeah, because he's going to want to ram. That's what he's going to want to do. He's going to want to ram. He's going to want to lock up. I'm going to sidestep. I'm going to punch the throat. I mean, Grab those fucking horns. That's the thing. Yeah, he's got a disadvantage because if I get a lock on those horns, lead the head, the body will follow, right? He's going right to the ground. I'm snapping his fucking neck. So Yeah, hmm. punching him in his goddamn ribs. Just going at it. Guys, Herb I, Dean ain't gonna fucking stop that fight. I uh, I killed a bird yesterday. <laughs> okay. And, I, and uh, what? I need to. Uh, I feel awful about it. Yeah, we were driving back from Wisconsin, and it was a little overcast. We're cruising down the highway. Of course, I'm doing seventy eight like a fucking idiot. And there's a beautiful falcon or something that. Is so kind of flying like in front of us. This, this is not a joke. This is a, this is a, this is a beautiful bird. This wasn't like a bullshit pigeon. Uh, <laughs> he's, it's about 30 yards in front of us. He lands and he's kind of close to the median. I'm in the right lane. He's in the median on the shoulder, picking at something. 
and he goes to take off and Sam's like, oh, and like acknowledges like, oh, it's a pretty bird. And I was like, yeah, cool. And the wind blew him right in front of the fucking Hyundai and bam. And immediately Sam is like on the defensive, like, it's okay. It's okay. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. I feel like a fucking asshole. I see him underneath the tires in the rear view. I'm like, we got to stop. We got to stop. And Sam's like, it's fine. Just go. Just go. And we pull off at the next exit. And I'm like, we got to find a car wash. Like, we got to wash this off while it's fresh. So the lower grill, it's a hybrid. So the lower grill, just like a little plastic pop in. The passenger side is just totally pushed in. There's fucking feathers all over the fucking thing. Sam's like, do you want to wash it first and then try to pop it back into place? I was like, no, I want to pop it back in just in case. Because I didn't know if it was a soft touch or a touch free. So I got feathers and viscera and shit all over my fingers. I'm trying to pop this grill back into place. I do. I'm like, all right, let's take it through the car wash. Sam's like, you got to wash your hands first. I go into the quick trip, which is like KWIK up up there. Um, wash my hands, go through the car wash, get out. It doesn't remove anything. <laughs> it was I I felt bad about it for the last 24 hours, so I took it as a bad omen that we were talking about this this week. But well, what what bird I, do you think it is? Some it had to be some sort of like falcon, maybe I, like a. It, I think you need to look at it as like you made the hawk. entire falcon population a little stronger that day. I mean, survival of the fittest, you know. I I just feel, you know, when you cruise down the highway and you see the carcass of roadkill, it's just brutal, man. Like they like we're going through their terrain, you know? And to just be cuz that impact, it doesn't matter if it's a small little bird or a squirrel or a deer, like you feel that in the steering wheel, you know, like, and it's hey just, man, I, you got a tough ass car. Let's say that. <laughs> yeah. It, it really was only like three or four clips that I had to pop back in the hot, uh, I'd stand by the Hyundai. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it, it, I don't know, just, it'd be fine. We'll say a yeah. prayer after this. Okay. We'll be all right. Uh, Catherine runs out and continues to accuse Tomlinson of the deaths of her family members. Uh, she starts to choke her. Uh, she tells her mother that she loves her. Tomlinson does. Uh, but then she grabs a nearby blade and hacks Caitlin in the face until she dies. She gave her a chance. Yeah. yeah. She tried. She said, I love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tomlin quietly walks into the barn and dons a cloak. Yeah, she gives her a warning slice. Mm-hmm. She falls asleep. She later goes out and encounters Black Philip and demands that he speak to her. That's a cool yeah. shot where she walks out and he just, he's like standing in front of a little barn or something and he just turns around and goes in. It's fucking cool. Yeah. Um... After a brief moment of silence, we hear a quiet voice of Philip. Uh, Tomlinson says, Black Philip, I conjure thee to speak to me. Speak as thou dost speak to Jonas and Macy. Dost thou understand my English tongue? Answer me. 
what dost thou want? What canst thou give? A little this chocolate wrapped up in foil. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't thou like the taste of butter? A pretty dress? Wouldn't thou like to live deliciously? Tomlinson says, yes. I like to live deliciously. Would thou like to see the world? What will, what will you from me? Thou, thou, see the book before thee. Remove thy shift. Tomlinson, I cannot write my name. Black Philip says, I will guide thy hand. And she signs. Okay, Gentlemen. we're going to stay here for a bit. The transitional shot. Is amazing. It, yes, the the little the footsteps of like is kind of transfer or you know transformed and he's kneeling it's very subtle it looks so good the subtleness of philip behind her is absolutely incredible um thursday night after dinner or on the walk to dinner sam asked me about what what was the witch about what's your movie about so i gave her kind of a quick synopsis and then when I got to the black, like to this black fill apart, and of course I'm doing like, and he's saying like, um, he's like, uh, what's that like to live deliciously? She's like, you got to fucking stop. <laughs> like the immediate creepiness of like my poor impression of it. Secondhand was terrifying. Uh, the performance in that voice is incredible. There's like a, there's a thick, salival delivery to it that is you know i think uh maybe first instinct would to be to have it more gravelly right like what's thou like to live deliciously yeah. but the fact that it's kind of saucy versus gravelly i think is 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 awesome and it's it's so perfectly enticing to her and specifically what he's saying I agree. Okay, cool. I think, uh, yeah, I really, on this viewing, I was like, I really want to pay attention to that transfer shot of whenever he becomes human form because it happens so quick that, but yeah, you see the leg and then it's like the goat leg and then he's almost on the side of her with that cut. So I thought it's done very well. There were several nights this week where... Francis was like, what do you want to watch? And I was like, do you want to watch The Witch? She was like, no, that doesn't sound very good. And that happened like two nights in a row. And I was like, all right, I got to watch it because like we're going to do it on the podcast. And then 45 minutes in, she walked into the living room. She was like, oh, we watched this together. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I've got, like I know. Like I kept trying to get you to watch it. She was like. Oh, I didn't know it was this movie. Like she was like, "This is a good movie." It's <laughs> like, "All right, cool, thanks." I took my wife to this. Our buddy Johnny and his wife. Now we're all there, and they were like, "It was good, but it was kind of weird." <laughs> I think. All right. a, sorry, a a story can be really effective when. Sam seems sees just parts of it or if after I watch a movie whether it's for the podcast or not and I 
become obsessive about it and I'm watching YouTube reviews or analysis. And so through that second hand, she gets sort of connected to it. And even if it's a horror movie or a stupid sci-fi movie, like her connection to Dune is, is crazy. Like it terrifies the shit out of her, but it's just so effectively made that it sucks her in. And I think that's always a good sign of something. And specifically in the witch, just, just giving her a 30 minute rough rundown before dinner, leaving her hanging because she wanted to know like what happened at the end. And as we were walking back to the hotel room, I really can't express how, how much fun it was to do a poor impression and her just go, you have to stop. Just do it in like your regular voice, please. Like just get to the end. So that that's a good sign. And, and I have that. It reminds me of like, uh, we talked about on horror drafts too, like the, the, the schoolyard interest in horror, right? Like you may not have seen Chucky, but your friend saw it or his brother saw it and it kind of gets to you and you sort of connect to that. And I I don't, I don't think we have that as much anymore. Like with, with franchises or like nothing really permeates through that. And if they do, it's more in like a meme form. Right, like I saw so much of Barbie in a meme form that when I actually did watch it, it didn't have the same connection. It wasn't the same vibe as being told, you know, Jason puts a girl in like a sleeping bag and like slams her up against a tree, you know, because the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is fucking great, you know. It... I can see that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do remember what the witch there was a lot of like a lot of people didn't like the ending or like I said a lot of people were like well, this isn't even fucking horror it was boring and so it was a film that was discussed I think more than others when it came out it is like a lost art form describing <laughs> movies to your friends that <laughs> will not get to see them because their parents are Stricter than your parents are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Black Phillip tells Thomas to undress. She does. She follows him into the woods while naked. In the middle of the woods, a coven of witches, all dancing nude around a fire and shouting. Uh, the witches start to float in the air. Thomas embraces the darkness and begins to float high above the trees herself. End credits for The Witch. Gentlemen, upon further research, The Witch opened on February 16th, 2016. Uh, That week at the cinema, you could also catch Race, the Jesse Owens biopic, and Risen, the story of a Roman soldier uh, that must find the missing body of Jesus. Both of those movies sound made up. (laughs) They exist. Is is Jim Caviezel in either of those? I don't... Don't those uh, sound I think like he might be in Roman. Or Risen? Or Risen, yeah. Okay, those both sound like they could be Jim Caviezel movies. Uh, budget of $4 million. This brought in $40 million worldwide. God damn. Fuck, what a return, yeah, dude. Ahead. This is kind of the, the start of A24 really kind of horror elevated horror movies and kind of we're going to invest in those. This is 
I, if it wasn't for the witch, I mean, would we have hereditary and all that stuff? But wasn't this is kind this, of the uh, start. I think this is their biggest hit at the time. Wasn't this a negative pickup for them? Like the movie was done and they just came in and were like, we'll distribute. I don't think they had anything to do with production from what I read. Yeah, because I think she sent it into some company that some lady that worked with with Edgar's. I think the movie was like made, might have played some festivals, and A twenty four was like, we'll, we'll handle back end distribution. That might be right because there is a twenty fifteen release on it when you look at some of the stuff, but in twenty sixteen was its actual theatrical release. I mean, good good pickup for A twenty four. Hey, they're winning Oscars now. But gentlemen, that's a lot we covered of everything that's in there. And um, I might be talking out of school, but I think they're one of the few that is like with WGA, WGA and SAG, right? Are they oh, abiding? Oh, 24 Yeah. I think they're one of the few that might be abiding. If, so, if I'm wrong, somebody please correct me, but I think they're one of the few studios that is, you know, was immediately meeting their demands so that sounds believable at least i mean they seem like the kind of studio that's just like here like how much money do you need and then i mean i'm sure there's like negotiation there but yeah a24 seems pretty down to be like if you got a vision and we think we can like turn a profit you know we'll pick it up oh i Concerning the production companies that were involved, uh, w- like, you know, in the the mayhem, the montage of, like, the production cards at the beginning, one of them was Parts and Labor, and that is a fucking fantastic name for a production company, by the way. So, uh, good on you, Parts and Labor, whoever came up with that name. Uh, it's quite jealous. But, gentlemen... That's a five-star banger. That is The Witch. 2015, 2016, whichever you prefer. Directed by Mr. Robert Eggers. Uh, sitting at a 3.8 right now on Letterboxd. A little low, I think. Do we have anything else to add before we let our listeners listen to whatever podcast they want to listen to next? Crunch shaking his head no after I deferred to him. I will say, we've already said it, I think uh, for me, the the movie gets better upon rewatch. And I'm absolutely stoked that this was one that was uh, selected for a five-star banger, Dan. Thank you. You're welcome, guys. Thanks for watching it this week. Uh, As always, rate and review the show. We are on Apple and Spotify and wherever you find your podcasts were there. Oh, I thought we were going to do closings. Uh, why'd they make the witch so hot? Not just the one that seduced Caleb. Because you got to get the viewer on your side. Mm-hmm. You got to hit all sense. demographics of ages, yeah. Kron. How are we going to do like ratings? Do you, do you want to do ratings? I'm a five stars. You guys know that. What yeah. are you guys? But normally you, the five-star person would ask, what would you guys give it? Are you a true five-star or what? So, Cron, Cron Howard, Bones.
expose your ratings to me now. Uh, Does thou want to expose thy ratings? Dan, I think I would be a 4.5 on the witch. Not quite a five star for me. And it really just comes down to enjoyment and times watched. I think eventually this could be a five star movie. But, I mean, we kind of already touched on it. If this is your first film, keep giving this guy fucking piles of money to make movies. I mean, he's fucking talented as hell. Uh, It's a compelling movie. It's an effective movie. And I do think this did kind of kick off like an A, you know, we covered, uh, what was it, House of the Devil I feel like that was kind of a revival for slow burn horror. I feel like this gets lumped in with that category, but I do think this is a more effective horror movie than 99% of everything that gets labeled slow burn horror. Like, this is the one that does it right. This is the one that people should go back and watch if they're interested in that genre to figure out how to do it correctly. So, yeah, 4.5, but this could easily move up with a couple more rewatches. Bouncy, expose thyself. I was going into this at a 4.5, trying to find a reason to not give it a 5. And quite honestly, I can't. I I don't really have anything to knock against this. This thing... I, I watched this in a hotel room with a laptop on my chest, uh, burning a fucking hole. <laughs> and I did not pause. I did not look away. I was sucked in. Uh, the first hour of this podcast with us actually sort of being uh, every other podcast and dissecting and reviewing. I went on break with a, with a fucking euphoric glow about myself. I was just... I, was into this thing. It's a five star, man. Uh, to echo Kron's point, this is a way to come out the gate. To me, this is a beautiful execution of a vision. Uh, it's a, a beautiful script that through one pass, I gave it a four upon further review. It's a five, man. Uh, it's, it, it is a horror movie, but it's not uh, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, porn or torture porn horror movie. It it makes you think and you feel tension, you feel dread, and at the end of it, you feel this slight lift in a way where you get some closure, but you have an internal reflection of would I do this would I go along with this coven? Would I accept the deal? Uh, I think it's an, an excellent ex- execution of the portrayal of Satan. Um, and I don't think it's disrespectful in any way to uh, religion, but I may be interpreting that wrong as a, an atheist myself. But it's just using that simply as a catalyst to tell to tell a human family story. So, uh, five stars, dude. Hell yeah. 
I like your style. Did that sound legit? Yeah. Are we legit now? <laughs> we'll fuck it all up next week. Cron, mm-hmm. what are we doing next week? Uh, next week on the Five Day Rentals podcast, don't come back for a positive review. We are starting the category, the big three, but really not the three you want. These are the films, one each, from Steven Seagal, JCVD, and uh, Chuck Norris. How dare you almost forget Chuck? (laughs) (laughs) I just had to think about it for a second. I've had a few beers. Uh, We will be watching first On Deadly Ground, directed by Steven Seagal, Starring Steven Seagal, partially produced by Steven Seagal. For better or for worse, his fingerprints are all over this thing. Uh, so yeah, join us next week for that. Uh, it's interesting that that's what we're going to watch when, after this movie, we all sort of agree that Robert Edgers should be given as much money as possible, uh, you know, making $40 million on a $4 million budget when... Uh, Steven Seagal made a billion dollars for Warner Brothers and then immediately burns uh, all good credibility. All, yeah, all credibility the first time he's buying the camera. So, what did uh, he do that was like such a mega hit? Was it just like Under Siege? I guess was that like a the whole bunch? It was. It was a buildup, man. He just got it. It wasn't a bunch of cash. He had that producer that was behind him, mm-hmm. and he just he just stair stepped. And it was massive. And then Under Siege being a, you know, proto diehard, which all these action guys were trying to figure out how do we get you in some sort of diehard situation. Under Siege was massive. Mm -hmm. So at that point, it was like, all right, fuck it. You've made us a billion dollars. So do what you want. But we'll we'll, we'll look at the numbers because I think, Dan, you brought up that On Deadly Ground may have actually made some money, but he just... uh, PHS wise, yeah. Yeah. Probably burned every bridge he had getting to that profit. <laughs> yeah. So. And it, but it wasn't like he was, oh, he made under siege and now he's a diva. He was a diva the entire fucking time. So, but, we'll uh, yeah. Again, thank you for being the one to pick Steven Seagal. <laughs> um, it's going to be fun, I think. Yeah. I think it'll be a fantastic category. It'll be fun. But other than that, guys, rate and review us. If you're on Apple or Spotify, check out the show. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Letterboxd. Uh, But if you really want to fuck with us, join that Discord. There is a link on every episode that is released every Wednesday for Five Day Rentals. Uh, We love you all, and there's nothing more to say but crash and burn. Remove thy shift. I could have got out of that barn.